Relationship with God creates awe. Religion being right with others creates uh. Uh, oh, that's a come on, put that a needs, t-shirt on that. I need to get some merch out on that. Uh, come on, yalla. Yalla. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. It is a journey of faith that you are on, whether you like it or not, and you're either growing or shrinking in your faith every single day. But we want to be part of your faith growing because what you believe is one of the most important things about you and we want to be here to encourage you to challenge you to educate you so that you can learn what you believe so that you know how you can defend it and in this world where everyone wants to convince you that they're right and that their views are the truth it's very important that you know what you believe so that you can argue with them and potentially grow their faith as well. So my name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do the Salty Pastor podcast without a salty pastor. And we have the one, the only, Mr. Hardy, Harvey Friesen. Hardy Friesen. It's uh, a Hardy I'm recovering G- from Easter. You hey, it's all right. We got a little grace. Easter hangover here on State Street. So yeah, no, glad to be here in the house and did do... I, told Jesse before we even came on, I'm feeling a little bit salty today. And I'm salty in a way that is, let's just be direct. You know, I mean, we, we live in a beat-around-the-bush culture. I mean, everybody in our beat-around-the-bush culture is afraid to say it the way it is. And the truth of it is, is we walk around on eggshells all the time. Everybody does, instead of resurrection, we all get into the eggs and all like that. And then what happens is we spend the whole year walking on eggshells. Well, we ain't gonna walk on eggshells. No We're eggshells gonna live. Today. No eggshells. Pastor well, ready to come. Pastor Doug doesn't walk on eggshells either. You no, gotta love him not. for that, man. I mean, he's straight up. So he really is. And I mean, that was part of his sermon on Sunday. Was everything has to go through the cross. He wasn't saying, Why? "Oh, well, well only certain things need to go through." He says, "If you want to be transformed, if you want true happiness and joy." If you really want to live the best life you can, it has to go through the cross, right? Absolutely. It's a life principle. If you didn't see it or you weren't here this weekend or you were up in the hills or doing something or whatever, go back and look at the sermon from this last weekend where Pastor Doug walks you from your desires to fulfillment. They got to go through the cross. Your hopes all the way out to your accomplishments, they've got to go through the cross. I mean, it is a process God set up. And, and truth of it is, we all talk, and even, even the culture around us talks about, you know, you have to face your demons. You have to go through the crucible. You have to do whatever. The cool thing is Jesus said, well, you don't have to. I already went there. I got you. I got you. And, and you know, the, the powerful thing, guys, just to nail, no pun intended, but let's play out the metaphor, is to nail this once and for all is that Christ put on the cross all of our fears, worries, dilemmas, struggles, problems, sins, sins, sins. And then he does something more powerful than forgive us. He redeems us. To forgive us is to say, hey, you know what? All right, we move on. Redeem is I forgive you. I bring you in the family. Forgive is I forgive you. Don't be around me anymore. Mm. Think that difference out, right? Is that we have a lot of, okay, I forgive you, but I don't want anything to do with you anymore in my life. God comes along through Christ and says, I forgive you. Now make it now, now, hey, now you're in the family. That's that's very counterintuitive to the way the world wants us to work, it's, right? it's, it's the exact opposite of it. The moment that you violate someone, they'll go, okay, now I know who you are. You're a herder. You're one of those. You're whatever. And the cross comes along and says, no, I know that about you, which is why we're going to talk about the third thing today, which is we talked about the power 
the power of Jesus. Then we talked about the power of the resurrection of Jesus. And this week we're going to talk about the power of the church. Mm. God blessed his church with a greater gift. Jesus even said, it's better for me that I go away. Because remember, there was one Jesus. I was just in Jerusalem a couple weeks ago. I'm going to be in Jerusalem again next week, Lord willing. And what you realize is Christ's ministry was contained in a very small place, but the spirit of the living God goes wherever the spirit of the living God wants to go. So John chapter three, Nicodemus says, uh, comes and meets Jesus in the middle of the night, middle of the night, right? Everybody knows John three sixteen, God so loved the world. Well, before we get to God so loved the world, Nicodemus is a religious leader and it's the, 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 look, there are a lot of people against organized religion. And this is the part I totally get it. And, and what Nicodemus was, he was under this religious system where instead of being right with God, he had to figure out how to be right with everybody else. Cause mm. that's what religion really is. I'm right with everybody else. And the reason why everybody beats on religion is because no one is right with everybody else right. and no one else is perfect. So we spend our entire time trying to prove Jesse's imperfect. Hello, we know that already. We're right? aware of this already. Yeah, right? exactly. Hello, Harvey's imperfect. We know all that. That's not what the church is. We said this last weekend. Don't come to church. We don't want you to come to church. We want you to be the church. Mm. And being the church is a redeemed community of God that is forgiven and then goes and lives like it. Right. I mean, that's what redemption is. Right. Redemption is this beautiful thing where the, where the where the prodigal son is is tired of the stain and the sin and the grossness of being in the pig's trough and, and eating out of the trough, thinking at least I could go home. I'd have it better at home. My father has a better heart than me being in a pig trough. So he walks home and what he realizes is the father's been looking for him and sees him coming from afar, takes off the robe, puts the ring on him, kills a fatty calf. That's the beautiful story of redemption. So this week we're going to talk about, okay, once you got home, once you're back, now what does it mean to actually live in the family again? And that's called the church. Mm. And we have to come to this conclusion. The church is an imperfect thing. It's not heaven. If you're out there going, oh, I don't go to church because it's not, you know, perfect. Like that. Well, duh, we're in earth. We're on earth. We're not in heaven. My, my father makes that argument all the time. I love him, but he's like, I don't. I don't go to church because there's, you know, there's hypocrites there and, and they want you to do things this way. And I just think I need to have my own personal journey and I don't need them to have my, my, my time with God. But Fair enough. I will say that he's also started getting into some really weird beliefs over the last couple of years because he's not been in community to have someone else to bounce him off of. So well, absolutely. I mean, we are at the tyranny of our own selves in those moments, right? We, we, we use this line, you know, I don't need to go to church. Why? Well, I, I totally, okay, get it. All right. But here, here's the other part. Okay. So you want to be a person that's in a relationship. And I'm not talking about you, but just somebody out there, right? You're trying to be in a relationship with somebody and you say, okay, I want to be married. Okay. So I want to be married, but I, I don't want to live with you. I don't want to give, I don't want to be a part of a process of raising kids. I don't want to have to like share a bank account, but I want to be married. Well, no, you're, you want to be single. You want to be single. And so to say that you want to be a follower of Christ, but to reject his church is to really say, I reject Jesus because Jesus got up on that cross and died so that what would happen? We would have forgiveness and we would now build a redemptive community. The whole point of coming to the body of Christ is not to be judged. We're already free. We've been mm. set free. That's the gospel message. People don't 
you know, it's so interesting. Doug talked this week. He said, you know, I'm going to preach the gospel. And a lot of people go, well, I, I mean, I don't know what the gospel is. Very simple. God forgives you. Then he redeems you. And then he says, now be in my family and I'll guide and lead you to do that. And that's what the church, I mean, we're going to look at Acts chapter two, verses one to 47 this week. We're not going to do all of them, but no way we could do all. We couldn't even read them. We couldn't even start now reading and finish up our podcast to read them all. But what we are going to do is identify some very important things. And if I could just hopscotch a little bit on those verses, I'll give sort of an outline because Tuesday is the Bible study portion of this. So hopscotching a little bit along the way, you get this. They have the day of Pentecost and they were all together in one place. And the spirit of living God comes down upon the church and everybody says, oh, these guys are drunk. And then he said, well, they can't be drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning, third hour of the day. I mean, that doesn't stop some people, but well, that many hey, people you know, probably not realistic. You know, okay, you know, BC, right before Christ, drink early, drink often, right? I mean, okay, so, so, but no, they weren't drunk. What they were was they were filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Here's what's an important distinction. When the Spirit of living God is living over our lives, there's a beautiful thing that happens. We now have a leader over our lives, and Jesus goes from just being our Savior to being the Lord of our lives. The Spirit mm -hmm. of living God is the Lord over our lives. And why is this important? Because what you start to realize, and I think it's why people struggle with organized religion, is that organized religion a lot of times ends up, remember when it's not being right with God, it's about being right with people, is that it becomes a game of control. And if I'm underneath the power and the control of the Holy Spirit, it looks like I'm drunk or out of my mind or I'm doing something that, catch this ready, this word scared the Jews there early on. How do we control that? Mm. Nicodemus, let's go back to the first part of chapter 3 of John. In there, Jesus says, you have to be born again. And Nicodemus goes, well, do you enter your mom's womb and come, come back out? I mean, how does that happen? He goes, no, I mean, it's the spirit of living God that rebirths your life. And then he says a very powerful line. He says, the spirit goes wherever the spirit desires. And what happens in the leading of the church that happened in the early church is that it started not as a Jewish sect, is that the spirit of, the God, came, spirit of God came down on the people and they couldn't help but just be overwhelmed by the spirit of living God. Religion doesn't like the spirit of God. Why? Because religion is about being right with other people and religion needs to control other people. If the spirit of living God lives in you, Jesse, how do I control you if you're already under the control and leadership of a Lord in your life? Right. You don't need some 35-layer organized religion to tell you when to breathe, stand up, sit down, turn around, do this. You have the Spirit of living God that leads you and convicts you and, and, and encourages you, challenges you, all the work of the Holy Spirit. So that's what happens in the first part of Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit comes down. They think that they're drunk, and then they do something that's unique and different, and that is they begin to manifest by speaking in tongues. They start speaking in other people's languages, and they're going, how is a person who doesn't know that language able to speak in that language? And I think this is a very important thing again. What was going on before Jesus was crucified? Before Jesus was crucified, they were there celebrating Passover. Then they come to the next set of calendar days and they come to Pentecost, right? They come to the celebration. And remember, this is an agrarian culture. In agrarian culture, they're celebrating first fruits. That is, hey, the crop's growing. Praise God, we might eat in the fall. Right. If this doesn't happen and this doesn't happen and this doesn't happen and this doesn't happen and we get rain and all these other things happen, we'll get a crop. So I am dependent upon God in an agrarian society. And they get to the Pentecost and then there God pours his spirit out 50 days later. We're, you know, we're now in the season leading up to Pentecost in the church calendar, if you will. And 
there's this beautiful thing that happens is we it says we hear in our own language where we were born we hear Parthenians and Medes and Elamites and the residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia all these different places and they continued on with amazement and it caused great perplexity saying to one another what does this mean and again think about that question for a second this is your organized religion all you organized religion haters of organized religion today's your day okay here's what you get to hear right what does this mean the struggle with organized religion is organized religion always wants to jump into your life and say this is what it means Mm. well hold on how about the spirit of god can actually guide and lead my life and that might be part of what you talked about you know a family member of yours is going you know i don't need somebody to tell me when to breathe i don't need someone to tell me i totally agree but the spirit of the living god then needs to lead your life see we aren't islands we aren't left out on our own the spirit of the living god leads our lives and one of the things that the spirit of the living god does is the spirit of the living god leads us to a place where what we would be is we would be in communion with god and each other you go to, let me skip forward a little bit right so let's go to first john chapter four for a minute and it's not you know i don't we don't have screens and all like that and this is you know bible study moment you get to first, first john four and he says how can you say you love god whom you can't see when you don't love your brother mm-hmm. whom you do see see the test of the spiritual life with god is okay i am right with god forget organized religion i'm right with god and here's what God says. When you're right with me, others know it. When you're right with me, it spills out into your life. When you're right with me, you don't have to control everybody else. You can love and appreciate everyone else. It's a beautiful thing. Go ahead. Well, and I kind of see that. I see this pour out in my small group specifically, right? Like when you're together in a small group, you may not necessarily need help that day, right? You might be like, I'm good. I've got my things lined out. Sure. My family's good. But someone else might need you to pour into that. Like there's the men's retreats coming up soon. Right. And I've heard some guys say, well, I don't need to go. I'm good. Like I've got to figure it out that there's probably nothing that that's going to help it. But what you're doing when you say that is you're denying other men who might need you. Yeah, right, right, right. And and this is, again, the problem with organized religion. Once I got my stuff figured out, I'm good. I'm good. Well, really? I mean, what about the next guy? And what about the person that you could be encouraging? See, here's one of the great mistakes, again, of organized religion is, is that we go for what we get. Christianity, we go for what we give. Mm. We go for what we give. And how do we know that? Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come into this world to serve Uh, sorry, to be served, but to serve. serve. Jesus turned everything upside down. So you non-organized religion, here you can hear this. Jesus is agreeing with you, but he's not saying, go out there and now do whatever you want to do. He's saying, okay, now follow me and I'll lead you and I'll guide you. And you will do what? You'll feed, you'll feed the hungry. You'll, you'll clothe the naked. You'll pray for the sick. You'll minister to people in need because you will be so moved by me in you that your life will then look like it to others. Mm. And that's a beautiful thing. And I would agree. We don't have to have big buildings and all kinds of things to do it but one of the things that we do know about us as humans is that we always not always we tend to move the third law of nuclear dynamic or thermodynamics is that things degenerate they don't regenerate in other words we tend to atrophy we tend to let ourselves go we tend Mm. to let our life with christ go which is why we need one another for the purpose of encouragement. And we're going to read that here later on down. I do want to make one little note because remember when, when Peter is preaching there on Solomon's portico on the temple Mount, right? I mean, in the, in the, in the temple there, the temple hasn't been destroyed yet. It's still up this, when this preaching is going on 70, uh, 40 years later when the temple is destroyed by the Romans, but the temple's still up. 
And when he preached on Solomon's, port, Solomon's portico, who is he preaching to? Is he preaching to Gentiles? No, no, he's preaching to Jews. He's preaching to Jews. So what does he do? The moment they say, well, they're, they're drunk, he comes back with Hebrew scripture, and he says, he quotes the prophet Joel, and it shall be in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. Now, this is a very interesting distinction. It flips over, okay, because he says, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will have dreams. It's not generally old geezers like me that have dreams we're still trying to accomplish. Mm. It's youngsters that are out there, 18, 19, 20, and everybody's going, follow your dream, have a dream, right? And he's saying, God will flip the world over to where the old, cynical, worn-out, tired, religious will go, wow. God could do this. That's called spiritual renewal. When God was going to pour out his spirit, he prophesied through the prophet Joel that there would be spiritual renewal that would happen across the land. And lo and behold, it happened. And then the cool part of it is the young people did what? They actually flipped over and they made mature decisions where they went, I don't think I'm into that organized religion thing where they tell me how to stand up, sit down, turn around. Remember when Jesus's disciples, I'm, pop quiz jesse okay. when jesus's disciples were busted up by the pharisees one of the biggest complaints was that when they sat down for food they hadn't done what wash their hands and wash their hands and you have these religious jews walking around going you know you know you're not you're not washing your hands for those of you who are not watching that i just tapped on the on the table and and what they were doing was is that they were going around beating people over the head with rules god comes along and says you see, I'm the one that makes everything right. I'm the one that makes everything whole and healthy and well. And you've now embraced, they had these three laws, right? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. What were those? Those were like a little bitty mantra that they had put together in their minds where it was, here's how, to, here's how to make sure I'm right with God. Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, right? And they were saying, okay, I'm not defiled. I'm right with God, right? We do the same superstitious stuff today. Remember, Foothills Church is inviting you into a redemptive relationship with Jesus Christ, not into some worn-out religious track that we've got for you and figured all out. We're inviting you to an adventure with God, not to some stale, boring, come and stand up, sit down, turn around, and just do whatever he tells you to do. Be alive in Christ. Well, and God is constantly renewing things, right? Like, he's creative. Like, I'm doing a devotion right now, and it talks about God did... You know, the first six days, then he took a break, and then he didn't say, well, I'm done, nothing changes for the rest of time, right? No. He's constantly renewing and creating, and so he took his day of rest, then he rolled his sleeves back up and said, time to get back to work, and exactly. he's out renewing, creating, and doing something different. And, so and he's the, doing that in the seventh thing, in the, in the last thing he created, which is the humans, right. the creative work. Think about this for just a second. There was somebody here that celebrated in our body of Christ who had who had a baby this morning. Mm. And you know what's so amazing is, is that the new life is where God is constantly co-creating with us as humans the next Right. The next, right? We already have rivers. We already have mountains. We already have streams. We already have oceans. We already have all these wonderful, beautiful things. What's the what's the next layer and the next place? That next frontier is life, new life, mm. that next generation. Why does everybody get so thrilled about a baby? Because it is the genius of God to say, I'll create with you. Right. And it's beautiful. And it's all about life and redemption. So, And one of the things we talked about is it's a 
community of redemption. Go back to the principle of agrarian society for a second. For wheat to grow, it has to be planted in the ground. If you're a farmer, you realize that the word is sow, right? We sow seed into the ground, right? And so sowing seed into the ground, that seed goes into the ground, it dies, and then it comes to life. And we can explain it all. We have great agricultural, you know, universities, land-grant state universities around the country, Kansas State being a really great one, go Cats, <laughs> and where Doug and I both went to school there. And one of the cool parts about it is it is a picture of how God creates new. And God is constantly interested in doing that in our lives. How's he going to do that? is that we talked about it being new life. So let's think about this for a second. What new life does to the world is what new born, born again, creation does in the church. One of the most beautiful things. Why does Pastor Doug love to show? We celebrated all the baptisms that have happened this spring mm -hmm. in our church. And why do we love to celebrate those? Because that's the birthing center of the Christian faith. Right. It's in there. The Holy Spirit of God comes down. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 says... Peter preaches this sermon, and they say, oh, my goodness, we killed the Messiah. What, what, what should we do? I mean, verse 29 says, Brothers, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David, he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. They knew their, their, their star, their stallion. He was dead. Mm. He moved on. But it was in the line of Jesse, which is the line of David, which is the line of, uh, that Matthew lines out in, in, in the genealogy, we get Jesus. Mm -hmm. We get Jesus there in that lineage, and he comes along, and they say, oh, by the way, you killed him. Verse 32, it's this Jesus who God raised up last week, the power of the resurrection, a fact to which we are all witnesses. He says, we all saw it. We saw that he was raised from the dead. Therefore, Steve and I did that, that podcast last week, the resurrection all comes down to no one showed the body, right? right? So he's telling them right here, you all saw the wit your witnesses to it. Believe your own eyes. I'm not going to gaslight you. You can't gaslight me. Therefore, since he's been exalted at the right hand of God, he's received the promise of the Holy Spirit from the Father. He has poured this out, which you both see and hear. Right in front of you, this Jesus who is resurrected has gone to be with the Father. He's poured out now right here. So you remember Acts chapter 1, Verses 8 through 12, Jesus gives his last commandment, go and be my witnesses into Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, into the remote parts of the earth, and then he ascends from the Mount of Olives. Mm -hmm. Okay, we read in Zechariah that where is he going to come back? He's going to come right back down. You were with me just a few yeah. weeks ago onto the Mount of Olives. Right. It's prophesied in the book. So he does that. But they put those big walls over the gate, Pastor. Oh, he'll never get through it. He'll never get through it. God is, God, if, if you want to build a wall in your life because God can't get through it, Okay, whatever you say, right? We all build those little walls. And he says, so they said, um, so he puts this out there to a Jewish community. And then, and then in verse 36, he crescendos his sermon. Therefore, let all the house of Israel, Jewish, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, Savior and Lord. They were all looking for a Messiah. He said, God didn't just make him the Messiah. He made him the Lord. He is the leader and ruler overall. It is his church, mm -hmm. Caesarea Philippi. He was given the key. He gave what? Peter, the gates to the kingdom said this confession. I am the Messiah. You'll build a church off the confession, not the keys, but the confession. 
So then it says they so so it says they were quickened in their heart and they said, What should we do? And Peter said, Repent, let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then here's the big one, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Look, the gift of the Holy I, I, hardest job in the world is try to be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. It becomes will worship. I gotta get up and go to church. I gotta get up and pray. I gotta get up and worship. I've gotta get up and be a nice person today. And and what we do is we will ourselves into being religious. It's not what God intended. I mean, it's it, it's like being in a relationship with someone, and I have to will myself to love them. Well, there's parts and pieces where what we do is we intentionality of loving someone else that's unselfish but but the true spark of relationship is i can't wait to be a part of that person's life and that's why like when you guys see us like pastors and people up in the front and other people giving their testimony and they look like they're drunk at nine o'clock in the morning because they're all happy and joyful about it all it's not some show it's it's the idea god is alive in my life Mm. and he's alive in my life i can't i can't I'm free from all that religious garbage. I'm free from your bur- the burden of what you think I ought to do. All those oughts and shoulds go away to what? So what, what did they do, Jesse? I mean, you go to verse 42. It says, they were continually, not like once in a while, not like when I feel like it, not like, oh, okay, my favorite preacher's preaching this morning. It was they were continually devoting themselves to four things. Verse 42, the apostles' teaching to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer. Notice the first two are heavily intensively involved with other people in their lives. Apostles teaching. I'm learning from someone else and with someone else. My men's group on Monday afternoons at 1 o'clock, we do that together, right? And then the second thing was they were fellowshipping. They were enjoying each other's company. They Mm. were celebrating together. When we as a staff yesterday had uh, a wonderful breakfast that that Emma and a couple others put together, we had this wonderful time where we took a meal together because we were fellowshipping and we were breaking bread and we prayed. We were being the church. We weren't going to church we were being the church, and they were being the church. If you look at verse 43, yeah, Jesse, I mean, this, this should be like the underline, the circle, the highlight of the whatever. Circle, circle, circle. We're in Acts yeah. 2, 43, right? Exactly. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Relationship with God creates awe. Religion being right with others creates awe. Uh, oh, that's a come hard on, business. put a need, t-shirt on that. I need to get some merch out on that. Ah, uh, come on, yalla, yalla, <laughs> yalla. So here, yalla is Hebrew for let's get going. Arabic, Arabic. Uh, right? It's Arabic. Arabic. I'm sorry, you're right. For let's go, let's go, let's go. So what's the sense? A feeling of awe, and why were they feeling awe again? You said Acts two forty three. Many signs and wonders were taking place to the apostles. One of the reasons why religion is dead is because there's never signs and wonders. There's just the band getting it up a little bit better this week and the preacher doing a little more this week, right? No offense yeah. to the band. I mean, it's just always, we're trying to do a little, little more, yeah, right? I mean, it's as peak the person peak. who's in charge of the little bit more, Yeah, it's like, well, you can take that to an infinite degree where you're just totally. trying to outdo yourself. Like a couple of Christmases ago, we did the, the birthday celebration bash where we had pyro and snow totally. and balloons and everyone's like, well, what are you going to do next year? I was like, burn the building down. That's all that's left. We just, we set off like explode, <laughs> destruction derby. That's what we're doing. Right? Exactly. Pastor Doug could swing a destruction derby into a sermon. I'm sure. I'm but sure he could, you, but see, that, that's the point of it. I, we don't need that. Right. Right. And think about most of life is just mundane. I got to brush my teeth tonight before I go to bed. There's no, there's no, you know, nobody's there filming me and I'm going to put it on some account and show everybody else I'm brushing my teeth. Right. It's just normal life. The life of faith 
is a straightforward, normal walk. And, and so what, what do we see here? And all the believers were together. They had all things in common. What does it mean they were all uniform? It doesn't mean they were all uniform. Is it's that they let go of all their differences? One of the things about religion that we get so tired of is, is that we shave off our, our personal distinctions. You have to get in line. Well, where, where, where does, where did God, I mean, we got to remember our leader, we would have shamed him out of church yesterday. Why? Because he'd have shown up with dirty feet, sandals, hadn't showered in weeks, right? He's basically wearing a sheet, you know, a tunic over mm. his body, and he's got an undergarment in it, and he's got stuff in his beard, right? I mean, we, we, we do the opposites a lot of times. Nothing wrong being nicely dressed and put together and all those kinds of things. It's just that's not the point of it. Mm -hmm. The point of it is to be with Jesus. They had all things in common. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't beat on each other's distinctions. They just said, you know what matters most? Christ in the center of all of us. Day by day, they were continuing with one mind in the temple. They were breaking bread from house to house. They were taking meals together with gladness and sincerity. You know, a meal is an incredibly intimate thing. To have somebody over. I mean, you've been to my house. I mean, yeah. to have somebody to your house is a beautifully intimate thing. They were sharing in just genuine, real relationship. Nothing fanfare, nothing to put on Pinterest, nothing to, you know, to put out there that's great. Just normal life. And, and the cool part, and we finish with this, they were having favor with all the people, and it says, and he finished in verse 47, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those mm. who were being saved. And that's God's work. He does that work. So, again, we're not here to crank up the numbers, put another person in the chair, do all those kind of things. Because you know what? When, when there's real relationship with God going on, it's pretty infectious. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Pastor, so much for sharing these scriptures with us. I'm Pleasure. excited you're preaching this Sunday, so I'm excited. Um, I mean, you're just coming up with stuff on the fly in here, so I'm excited to see what you are going to bring to the, the pulpit on uh Sunday, yeah, so. and we'll see him on we'll see him on Thursday. Yeah, again. and then obviously you guys here on the Salty Pastor can catch us on Thursday as Pastor Harvey will be back, and we'll be doing some application and learning more all about the power of the church. Thank you guys so much for joining us, and we'll see you on Thursday here on the Salty Pastor Podcast.